welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Ketubot, daf Gimel, page three. So, we're talking about marriages, we're going to talk about divorce. And it kind of actually begins that way. Meaning, on the previous daf, and the material that we did not read, there's a discussion about, and Yerdena, you talked about this, right? You know, the, the circumstances that could get in the way you know, circumstances beyond anybody's control that could get in the way of a marriage taking place on the particular day that it's supposed to take place. And then there, you know, in that context, Rava says, I'm a Rava, ule inyan gitin ain't okay. He says, and when you come to gitin, when you talk about divorce, that's not the case. Meaning these issues of things that are beyond your control are not relevant. There is no such thing as beyond your control when it comes to divorce. And then the Gemara kind of, you know, and away we go, the horses running down the street type of thing, um, you know, headlong, all about divorce. So I'm going to read a small passage here on Ahmed Aleph that is an example of exactly this kind of case, you know, all of this discussion about divorce. Obviously, we're going to talk much more about divorce when we come to Masachet Gittin, but I think it speaks to, Yerdana, also what you were talking about yesterday in terms of, you know, how many topics show up in the context of one thing. So, Really, they're talking about marriage and, you know, the things that could, I don't know, go awry. And lo and behold, Rav is going to introduce divorce. And then for a, a daf and a half, they're going to talk about divorce. So, Tashma, come and her, here, come and learn, right? So, the question is this. If you made a stipulation, if you gave a divorce, if a man gives a bill of divorce, with a condition attached to it. Specifically, in this case, from this time, if I have not returned from where I've gone, from, you know, by the end of 12 months, um, meaning in the event that he doesn't come back by the 12, by the 12 month mark, and lo and behold, in fact, he had died during those 12 months, then the document that he's handing over at this time, meaning at this time, at the beginning of this case, um, is a bill of divorce, meaning so that she would be divorced from the now point, from the point of before he ever even leaves, she is divorced. Now, why would this be desirable? There's all kinds of reasons that it might be desirable, why there might be conditions set upon a divorce. And we will talk about that at some other time. Um, but the point here is, you know, what happens, what happens from here on? My love, who adin l'chala, meaning why wouldn't it be that this same condition would kick in if he simply didn't come back within the 12 months, at the end of the 12 months, not that he's dead, but let's say he's sick, right? The, there's, you know, why, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't this document then kick in as a divorce? Lo mate dafka. Because he's specific, and this now we get the background, right? So his particular background, why he would write such a thing. He writes the bill of divorce in the event that he would end up dead and therefore not come back in those 12 months so that his wife would end up being a divorcee. And as a divorcee, she will not be, and this will harken back to, you know, three days ago, um, she would not be. Uh, she would ha not have that zikat yibum, the requirement of yibum, um, in the event that he didn't, that he actually died. But if he didn't come back because he got waylaid on the way, so according to this particular case, that would be fine. Meaning he's she's still waiting for him. 
I don't know what's so fine about that. But it's not that she's divorced. It's that she's simply waiting to find out what's happening. If he ends up never returning and lo and behold, it turns out that he was dead. In that case, she was divorced from the beginning in, and is and avoids the situation of Yibo. Tashma, we have another case. So we've got another case from a particular man who says to uh, the people to whom he's giving this bill of divorce, meaning it's not going straight to the woman. He says, if I do not come back from now until 30 days have passed, then this will be a bill of divorce. He comes back at the end of the 30 days, meaning before the 30 days are up. And what happens? He can't cross the river because the ferry boat is on the other side of the river. And so he's waiting for it to come to cross, you know, to cross him. And so by the time he gets back, it's actually after the 30 days. He's like calling from the other side of the river. I'm here. I'm here. See, I have come. The literal translation of this Aramaic is see, I have come. And then Shmuel says it's not considered a return. It doesn't actually count because the condition is fulfilled, even though it was fulfilled like beside himself, like outside of himself. He didn't want it to be fulfilled. He was trying to make sure that he would get back in time. He was there in time and simply couldn't cross. And therefore, um, the bill of divorcement kicks in because that was his condition. That was a stipulation. So the Gemara doesn't like that. It says, when you've got something that's what we'll call onus, right? Meaning something that happens completely without any human interest happen. Uh, I would say literally it can mean like the circumstances are forced upon you, I suppose, right? It's completely unavoidable. And these are the kinds of things that are common, meaning if you have the kind of thing that's a common circumstance, then maybe you're going to say you should put that into your stipulation. So that's what happens. Since he comes, he knows that getting home, he's going to have to cross that river and there's going to have to be a ferry there. So then he should have stipulated, right? Like, um, uh, you know, as long as I come back and I'm not even on the other side of the river. And since he didn't make that stipulation, he didn't account for what were really obviously, uh, or presumed to be obviously uh, a potential for delay, then it's as if he's brought it upon himself. And therefore, the divorce kicks in, um, which is maybe not so fair to him. It's an interesting way to reject the claim that um, that circumstances beyond a person's control don't apply to Gittin. The Gemara says it's not because they don't apply to Gittin. It's because this guy didn't stipulate well enough. And had he but done so, then everything would have been fine and he wouldn't be divorced. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see a lot more about getting, but I think this starts to get into these issues of like, if there's a tonight or if there's a condition where somebody's forced to, what what happens to that get? Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about this with getting, but we sort of, we, we felt like we, we were obligated to at least introduce the topic here. Um, I'm going to move down to uh, a piece uh, that will go from it on with Talmud Bet, that's going to give a little bit more of a historical context to some of the halachot that are being. I'm a Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak. So Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak said, 
Uh, so the sages taught that this halacha, that, uh, you know, a bitula, the virgin has to be married on Wednesday, only was from uh, Ezra and onwards. Because it was a takana of Ezra, uh, right in the Shibatzion and the return to Zion and with the building of the second Beit HaMikdash, that the Beit would meet on, uh, would meet on a Monday and Thursday. And we also know Another thing that was instituted was the Kriyat HaTorah, was the reading of the Torah in those days as well. About Kodam Takanat Ezra, but before the Takanat Ezra, Shabbat Din and Kavuim B'chol Yom. Din met every day, right? Ishani Seh B'chol Yom. Then a woman could get married on any day. Kodam Takanat Ezra, so the Gemara says prior to this Takanat of Ezra, Ma right? When was in the past was in the past. In other words, we don't care what happens before Ezra because what's important is only post-Takana. Hachika Amar. So what is it exactly that that statement of Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak was trying to say? If you can find a place where the court actually does meet every day, then yes, a woman actually could get married on any day, the any day, not just on a Wednesday, because actually the original tradition was but Tadeen did meet, you know, every day. And so we can go back to that um, and we don't have to just do what Ezra did. So then the Gemara said, okay, but don't we also require, right? Is that, uh, is that um, the, uh, is this issue of being Shaktu, that the sages were diligent, right? That in other words, they, they would make sure that these things would get resolved quickly or maybe also that they would make sure that everything was set for the wedding. That's another way to understand what they're talking about. And so, um, right? So what we're talking about here is where he already exerted himself. So in other words, shaktu here, what it means is, and this is different than what I, what the context that I understood it in Amud Bet, is that the Chachamim were like, they sort of like, the elders took care of everything. They made sure everything about the wedding was going to be prepared correctly. So now what it's saying is no. So it would be a case where everything was prepared before Shabbat. And so you could get married on a Sunday or Monday, basically. My Shaktu. So now the Gemara is going to actually say like, what is this case? What is Shaktu exactly? But again, that was the context of which, what it means there. Ditanya, we learned in a Bresam. Why did the Chachamim say that a virgin has to be married on Wednesday? Because if there was a claim about her virginity, it could get to the Beitin early the next morning. Right? So then we could say, okay, let her marry on a Sunday. This was our question that we had yesterday, right? Where we said, we're not sure why you couldn't get married on a Sunday. So also you could go to the Beitin early on Monday if we say the Beitin means on Monday and Thursday. So now what it says is the following. The Chachamim were Shaktu, they were diligent in seeing to the well-being of women, right? They would make sure that a husband would actually take care to make sure the wedding was nice and he would give himself three days to prepare. So in other words, when you look at how the days of the week work, Sunday through Tuesday was spent getting ready for the wedding. And Wednesday is when the wedding took place. And so in a way, one of the themes that we're going to see in Masachet Kitubot is that 
the rabbis actually do a lot. And I know that many of us may not feel that way today because the issue of Gittin and Aguna is not resolved. But a lot of what happens in Ketubot is it's about rabbis sort of protecting women. And this is another level of protection. The Ketubah, which is a prenuptial agreement, is a level of protection. Here, they're sort of saying the Chachamim made sure that like they went, the, the, the Banot, the girls got the wedding that sort of they were deserved to actually have. And so therefore, this is why everybody was married on Wednesday. Then the bracelet goes on to say that at the time of danger and onward, and we're going to hear a little bit more what that time of danger was, then the custom was to marry on Wednesday, right? And the Chachamim didn't reprimand them. They didn't say they shouldn't do that. But on Monday, you should not get married, even during this time of danger. But if there's coercion, it's permitted. And again, they'll explain a little bit more what that means. One isolates the groom from a bitulah if they got married uh, on uh, Shabbat, right? Because we actually don't want them to have a sexual relationship for the first time on Friday night. Because, uh, now again, this now gets into a hilchot Shabbat. So it makes a wound. So one of the halachot about Shabbat is that it's asur, you're not allowed to make a you're not allowed to make a wound on Shabbat. Um, and um, so when you have that initial sexual relationship with a virgin, right? And remember their understanding is, you know, the, the hymen would break, there would be some type of wound that would happen. That's something that would be a source. So again, this is, keep in mind what we're saying. When I think we learn any top of Ketubot, we need to think about what are all the halachic discussions that are here. So, so far we have some Jewish history thrown in here. Now we have some halachot of Shabbat, all within the context of just marriage. And now they say, my sakana, what was the sakana? Right? So we say it was a situation where the government said that a virgin who was married on a Wednesday would be executed, right? Um, right? So they adopted a custom. Basically, they would just get married on Tuesday. Right? So then they should just, they should actually have abolished like that you should get married on a Wednesday. If, if there was a decree that, you know, Bitulot would be what Jewish brides would be executed if they tried to get married on a Wednesday, they should have gotten married of Wednesday. They should have gotten rid of Wednesday altogether. So then they say, no, that's not what it's referring to. I'm a rabbi. Rabbi says to Amri, Bitulah hanisait biyom harabi'i to ba'el lehegmon zechilah. It's talking about a period of time where the government said that a virgin who was married on a Wednesday actually had to sleep with the hegmon before. And so the hegmon was some type of like officer or some type of like Roman officer. So basically what they would do is, is they would force the brides to basically, uh, you know, have, uh, have, you know, a sexual relationship with like, basically, I mean, they essentially were raped, right. By this, uh, by this, you know, by this hegmon. So you'll see it either translated as like an officer or mayor or something like that. So they say, hi, Sakana. Is that really Sakana? Onasu, it's coercion. In other words, it's a terrible situation, but the, the girl's actually almost like saying you should counsel her that she should submit to that. So what happened is, is that the women were very tsanua and they actually would give their, their, their lives up. They actually would die because of this. And that's what the danger was. It wasn't that they were going to be killed by the mayor if they didn't, by the hegmon if they didn't submit to this, but it was rather that the girls themselves 
would kill themselves, right? And instead of actually going through with this. That's what it seems to say here. So then it says, okay, so the Chachamim, they're obligated to teach these women that this is a case of onus. And therefore they can, you know, like, not that it's okay if it happens, but in other words, it's onus. It's nobody's fault if that happens, right? So then they said they can't do that because there are women who are, you know, a prutsa, which is, and how would you translate that word? I never have a translation for that. Well, promiscuous, but in an intent, in it, like an intentional kind of right. way. They would, and they would basically like use this as an excuse to engage in pre, you know, in relations before, before marriage, but economic And also there's an issue with priests because we learned this in Yavamot and it's a difficult halakha, but if a priest's wife is raped, right, she still cannot be with her husband afterwards, even though it's a case of onus. Um, and then the Gemara goes on to say, right? So let them just abolish altogether getting married on Wednesday and get married on Zipper A decree of religious persecution, right? A uh, Shmada, uh, right? Right? Is going to be, it's going to be Mavatel at some point. But a rabbinic ordinance, right? we can't abolish it once it comes, even if it's because of religious persecution. So I thought this was fascinating because there's something hopeful in this statement. It's basically saying like, even though we're persecuted, we know eventually that will come to an end. But when the Chachamim make a Takana, that Takana has to stick. We can't just say like, now you don't do the Takana anymore. So even though it would have been helpful, but once once the Takana is there, it's there. So if so, right? So then, right, Bashlishi Nami Ati Right. So why do we, you know, move this to Wednesday? Because, right, the, the mayor, the hegmon, right, or the prefix I saw is another way, will come on Tuesday, too. So in other words, what did you accomplish? Like they just they know now everybody gets married on Tuesday. They just switch the day to Tuesday. Right. And so we say, no, the date of the marriage is actually not fixed. And then it's they're just sort of like a situation of uncertainty. They don't really know when these marriages were going to take place. And he's not going to like try to figure that out. In other words, like he's not going to uproot himself. That's literally what it means. He's not going to go to that much trouble to try to figure it out, to violate these women, uh, to violate these women before him. And then finally it says, um, you know, right on Monday, we don't get married, even in the time of Sakana. But if there's coercion, you're allowed to. My onus. So what's the onus here? Right. If we say what it was we were talking about beforehand, right, that the what these, you know, government officials would do. Right. That's what the Tana called Sakana. But here you're calling it onus. So there seems to be two different things being talked about with this price. There's a case of Sakana. That's the case with the government official. There's a case of onus. What's the case of onus? The two. Right. And furthermore. Right. If it's there, it says that they adopted the they adopted the custom basically to marry on Tuesday. Here it says it's permitted. So it's a little bit worded differently. Amarava. So Rava says the Amri. Right. What what is coercion? What is onus referred to? It's where they say a general and his army are coming to a city on Wednesday. Right. And basically we're concerned that the general and the army are going to take everything that was made ready for the wedding. Hey, dummy. So what, what, what are the circumstances? Right. So it's when the general comes and passes through. 
Lad Cobb, just postpone the wedding to the next week. Lotzricha, right? So rather the halacha comes teaches you don't need to to right? When 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 this the when this general comes, it's only when he comes and establishes himself there, right? Bashlishi mihalich knows, right? So in any case, okay, so let still let somebody get married on a Tuesday. Um, east par east par uh, parva diday bishlishi kaatu. Right. So what 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 does the brace of mean when it says is mutar on a Monday in the circumstance of Ones? You had to move the m- wedding to a Monday because the general's entourage, the uh, Sparva, was coming on a Tuesday. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to read any more here. I read quite a bit of Gemara tonight. But, I, you know, I think it's very interesting to see that, like, uh, times were not so simple for them. Like even a, something as simple as sort of a marriage preparation you know, last yesterday's staff, we talked about sort of circumstances that were beyond their control, right? The groom gets sick, the bride gets sick, you know, something like that happens or, you know, she becomes a Nida. But here we're talking about like, how do you do marriage when marriage is used as a weapon against us? Um, and that essentially they sort of like had to work around it. And some of these rules that they made about the best days to get married actually had to be changed. So I also think it's just interesting that sort of the Gemara, the Masachat starts off with this Mishnah with a very firm, like, we do this on Wednesdays. And then when it comes down to it, the Gemara is like, yeah, that's not actually how it happened because we were living in a time of persecution and we couldn't actually get married on Wednesdays. So one thing, a question that I'll just leave with is like, then why was the Mishnah so insistent on on talking about the Wednesday piece? Like maybe the Brisa is what actually should have been taught, but no, instead they chose to sort of codify that Mishnah instead of that brace up. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 